We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to read um, verses 18 through 19, and then you can follow along with me. Verse 18 says that, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. You know, today, as we gather together, I want us to consider a, a word that especially during these perilous times, especially during these perilous times that we live in, every Christian, every Christian in this room should know. And that's the word hope. When I found out that, that I was going to teach tonight, when Manny had asked if, if I would teach tonight, I, I immediately started asking God, Lord, what do you want me to share on? Um, Lord, what passage, what scripture, and, and nothing. He wasn't telling me anything, you know. But for some reason, the word hope kept on coming up. So then maybe in essence he was telling me, not just in the way that I wanted to hear it, go to this passage, teach this scripture, but the word just hope kept coming up. In, in a devotion that I was reading in, in, in the worship that I was listening to at the time, in my daily reading going through the Bible with the church, the word worship kept on coming up. I even got a text from one of the brothers uh, with, with scripture, and it had hope, you know. And so I could be wrong, but I think that God wanted me to talk about the subject of hope. And, you know, I was thinking it's fitting that, that I would be led to the subject of hope because right now more than ever, it seems like, it seems like as Christians, we desperately need hope. Many Christians are, are walking around under this kind of cloud of despair, in, in, in essence. The, the economy is still bad. Many of our brothers and sisters within this body are still struggling to find decent jobs or to find jobs, period. It's, it's tough out there. Many Christians are upside down on their mortgages or have even lost a house. Many Christians can't afford to pay their rent. Many of us as Christians who had planned to retire one day on our 401ks have come to the realization that it's, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. The, the state of our world can, I think, sometimes deceive us into, into losing hope, into bringing a lot of gloom. A lot of it, I think, probably has to do with, with the election that we just went through, you know? Uh, the outcome produced, I think, the greatest fear for us as Christians, four more years, right? Four more years uh, of the same. And clearly, many of our, our conservative ideals that, um, that we have strong convictions on that are shown to us clearly through the scriptures were rejected during this election. And that's clear. Just here in our state, and when I saw this, I was talking to a brother earlier, it, it really threw me for a loop. Instead of voting to ban pornography, which is evil and has destroyed many, many families, we were asked to vote on the way it's produced or, or, or on the methods that it's produced. That blew me away. I mean, that's where we're at 
in this world. That's what we have to face as Christians. We learned that some states even pass laws to use drugs recreationally, right? You guys heard of that in Montana. They, they pass the law that you can smoke pot, not because you're sick, the excuse, but just because you want to. We know that in other states, uh, historical rights for homosexual marriages were, were passed. And so as, as it's been said, things seem to be getting hairy. Things, things just seem to look bleak. And, you know, for some Christians, the stakes were so high in this election that they let in debates our, our, about our moral responsibility to, in essence, both for the better of, of evil, the better of two evils. We as Christians were faced with that choice. Whether we want to sit here and, and say that's not the case, that's the reality. We were faced with that choice. Yes, we know that Romney is a Mormon. But if it means getting Obama, then it's worth it. Those are the choices that we were faced as Mormons. And I don't want to politicize this, but, you know, it seems like the majority of Christians had that way of thinking, right? Because I don't know if you know, 79% of evangelicals, that's Bible-believing Christians, voted this year for Romney. 79%. That's the same percentage that Bush uh, was elected on. Uh, eight years ago, uh, more than John McCain received when he ran four years ago. And yet Obama still won. You've seen the electoral map, right? He won in a lot of the red states that were supposed to vote Republican. Things just seem to, to get bad, badder and badder. And, and because things seem to be bad, the hope that I think God has given us through the scripture, it, it seems to have taken a hit with us as Christians. You know, without downplaying all the things that are going on, the economy, the fact that we're, we're under upside down in our homes, without downplay, there's a lot of people within this body that are going through so much worse, so much worse. I mean, there's, there's people here that are suffering from physical disease. There's people that have loved ones that have children that are suffering from physical disease, from cancer. There's people here that are dealing with severe uh, spiritual attacks. And so we're, we're getting inundated. We're getting hit left and right. The world that we're called to reach just seems like it's getting farther and farther from God's touch. Things aren't looking good. So you're probably thinking you're supposed to be teaching on hope, right? Where's the hope at, guy? Okay? Well, the truth is that with all these things going on, Things just can seem hopeless, you know. But I like a quote that I read that says, when you see a situation or a person is hopeless, you are slamming the door in the face of God. We can't lose hope. And so by the authority of God's word, I, I want to remind us as Christians that God is still on the throne. That no matter our, 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 our current situation, no matter the economy, no matter who is in the White House, God is still on the throne. And we can't forget that. How do we know this? Because of our hope because of the hope that is given to us through Scripture. So I want us to take a look at, at, at hope, at the, at the word hope. Three things. What does hope mean? What, is that, what does hope mean for us as Christians? What is our responsibility in light of this hope that we've been given? And then number three, what is the outcome we should be seeking in having this type of hope? So we're going to be looking at three key words, and, and for the sake of remembering them, um, they all start with the letter H, okay? The first one is hope, obvious. The second one is honor, and the third one is heal. So let's begin looking at the word hope. And when I mean hope, I don't mean just any hope. I, I mean biblical hope, the hope that only we as Christians have, okay? What is biblical hope? 
Let me try to answer that by stating what, what it's not, first and foremost. If you look at the word in any, any dictionary, Webster's, any dictionary, any English dictionary, what you'll find is you'll get a defini definition for the most part that is the opposite of certainty or assurance, right? When the world speaks about hope, they speak it in terms of chance. I don't know if I'll get that job, but I hope I do. Or, you know, I don't know what decision the jury will come back with, but I hope that it's just. I don't know if I'll ever hit the lotto, but I'll keep playing, hoping that one day I will. That's the, that's the way the world uses the word hope. It's, it's, it's a hope based on chance, on something might or might not happening. Yet the biblical meaning of hope is not based on chance, but on God's word, right? On God's word, on God's character, and on God's power. God's word. Because we believe that, that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, perfect, without mistakes, we believe that the promises that are given to us through it, we can stand on, we can count on, we can bank on. The, the Bible clearly tells us this. In fact, if you turn with me to, to Romans verse or chapter 15, it clearly points to us as far as being able to stand on the hope, being able to stand on the scriptures. Romans chapter 15, we're going to read verse 4. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? We might have hope. Because the scriptures are, are, are God's gift to us, right? At the, at the men's uh, of fellowship, we like to say what the Bible means, right? Basic instruction before leaving earth. For the Christians, that's our instruction. That's a gift that God has given to us. We need to, to, to take, take, stand on the promises of God, and we can because it comes from God's word. That's the first thing. Biblical, biblical hope is an exclusive right given to us as Christians. Um, according to, to the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says that prior to us knowing God, we couldn't experience this hope, right? It says, remember that you were at the same time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So this is something that is given to us exclusively through his word. And so we should go to his word to find hope. That's why David, I think, in the Psalms repeatedly turned to God's word. If you go to Psalm 19, let's go there, Psalm 119. I'm going to have you... Exercising today, your, your fingers at least, through the Bible, okay? Psalm 119 repeatedly sets his hope, David, on God's word. While you're going there, verse 49 in Psalm 119 says, Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Just hearing them sing should cause us hope, huh? You hear the kids singing there? Verse 81, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. Psalm 119, verse 114 says, You are my hiding place and my, sh and my shield. I hope in your word. Look at verse 116. Uphold me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Time and time again, the scripture points us to the fact that we get hope from his word. Verse 147, I rise before the dawning of the morning and I cry for help. I hope in your word. We place our hope in the promise of God because they're delivered through the word of God, right? 
And as Christians, we believe that the word of God is inspired by God, is written by God. It's his word. It's inerrant. And so we need to, to, to stand on those promises based on God's word, but also on God's character. That's why we believe the promises. That's why we can have a hope that is a sure hope because of God's character. We, we, we place our, our, our hope in, in, in God's promises because it's delivered through his word, and we place our hope in, in, in his promises because of his character, right? Remember earlier we read in Hebrews 6, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. That's a, totally the opposite of what his nature is. God is not a liar. He's not a God of chance. He means what he says. Therefore, if God says as, as Christians, as far as you and I are concerned, it's done. We should believe it. That's what Christians hope. That's what Christian hope is. When God has promised that something is going to happen, we have to put our trust that it already happened. Christian hope is a confidence that something will come to pass because God has promised that it will come to pass. We, we, we believe this because we know God is holy, right? Because we know that God is perfect. It would be totally against God's nature to believe that he can lie, that his character isn't to give us what he's delivered to us through his word. Numbers 23, uh, verse 19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's an awesome scripture, because huh? it makes us look back, even in the face of going through darkness, and look back at all the things that God has, has brought us through. All the, all, the, all the prayers that God has answered, we should look at the scripture and remember it. He's not a man. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man who changes his mind like we do every other week, right? He is who he is, and what he says will happen. Says, has he ever promised and not carried it through? Titus chapter 1, verse 2 tells us the same thing, right? God does not lie. Therefore, based on these truths, number one, that God's word is inerrant, that God's word is perfect without error, and number two, God's immutable character. He's without evil. He's good. We wholeheartedly believe in what he has to say. We believe in his promises. We stand in his promises. The third one is God's capability. Do we believe that God is capable to produce what he said he's going to produce through his word, to come through on the promises that so many of us stand on? A lot of us have those personal promises that God has delivered straight to us. Do we believe that he's capable of producing what he says he's going to do? Yes, you better believe it. What is a promise to God? He... He, he threw the stars into the sky. He created everything by his word. He made us. Well, how can he not be capable, right? We can have biblical hope because we know that God is able and willing to do everything he says he will. Someone uh, said, if you have been reduced uh, to God being your only hope, you're in a good place. And I would um, amen that because that's, that's, that's so true. If the only hope that we have as Christians is God, man, that's where we need to be. That's right where we need to be, right? Last Thursday, we had a Potter's Field ministry. How many of you guys were here? It was a blessing, wasn't it? Do you remember when, when pastor, uh, the pastor was telling us about uh, the potter and the clay found in uh, Jeremiah 
18.1 and how it was meant for Israel. And a lot of the things that are taught in the Old Testament are meant for Israel. But he said because Israel um, means governed by God, it should be a definition that we carry as Christians, right? And so, therefore, we can apply that scripture to us. We can apply the fact that we're the clay and he's the potter, and whenever he wants to, he can rearrange what he wants to rearrange, right? But at the same time, as Christians, we can also claim Jeremiah 29, 11, which, again, is meant for Israel. But we know, because God being who he is and what his word has shown us, that when this What's, that's directed towards Israel is also directed to us. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. We can claim those. And I'm not talking about naming and claiming, okay? I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but I, I think that sometimes as Christians, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think God wants us to stand on his promises. I think God wants us to know that he's speaking to us directly through his word. We can have that. We can have that sure hope. We should have that sure hope. So now we talked about biblical hope. What should our response be? This takes us to the word honor. First Chronicles sixteen twenty seven tells us that honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Because of the awesome truth that we have here in Scripture, that we have, um, that we can bank our hope in, we should live lives that are honorable towards God, right? And that should be our, our heart because of what God's done for us. Because God died for us, we therefore should live for him. And so that should be our response to this awesome biblical hope that we've given. Through his promises, God has shown us that, that he's in control, right? And that he's good and thus he's worthy of our honor. How do we honor God? Well, we honor him through having faith. We honor him through believing these promises. Even in light of darkness, even in times that are perilous like we're living today, even in those times where just the, his word just seems so far away because of our reality, because of what we're going through. That's how we honor him, through faith, through believing what he says. I think we need to have the, the faith of, of Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. I always, I'm always afraid of pronouncing those names. But you know that story, right? They, they, they said, look, we believe God is going to deliver us from this furnace. We have no doubt that he's going to deliver us from this fiery furnace. But, but even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm not going to bow down to anyone but to God. That's the type of faith that we need to have. In light of the hope God gives us, we should, right? In light of the promises he's given us, in light of the fact that he saved us, that he didn't let us die in our sins. Another way of, of I think, honoring God is through abiding in him. Do, do we recognize the, the importance of being in God's word daily? Do we draw near to him through prayer every day? Are we in, in constant prayer throughout the day? Do we know that without him, we can do anything? We can't do anything. Absolutely nothing. That's what it says in John fifteen four. right? Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Do we know that? That's how we can honor God, by abiding in him, by walking with him, by following his commandments to the best of our ability and asking for God for strength to do it because... Without God's supernatural strength, we're all going to fall flat on our face. But he's given us. He's given us his spirit. 
He's given us that power so that we don't have to be bumping in against the same wall every single time. So we, we honor him through abiding in him. We honor him through serving him, right? Have we asked God what he wants you know, from our lives? Have we, have we asked him you know, to show us our gifts? Have, like Pastor Manny says, have we discovered our gifts? If so, have we developed our gifts? If so, have we deplored our gifts? We need to, de- we need to discover, develop, and deploy. Are, are we serving? I see a lot of you here, and I see that you are. But there's Christians that have been coming to church for a long time that aren't serving. And I'm not saying you necessarily have to ter- serve at church, but I mean not in the community. I mean in your family. I mean in your jobs. Are you serving? Are you serving the Lord? I love the fact that when Paul was zapped, when he was knocked off his high horse, when he was saw, the first thing, or not the first thing, but close to the first thing that he said was, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord? You just zap me, you know, and, and, and now my world is turned upside up, but now what do you want me to, how do you want me to serve you? That should be our response. In the light of the hope that God gives us, we're to, we're to honor him with what? With our gold, with our temple, and with our time. Our pastor tells us that all the time. We've got to honor God through heeding God's warnings, right? And his will for our lives. I, I think a lot of us know that we're so capable of walking away from God. It is just like that. Many of us have. We, that's just something that we have in us. And so we have to heed his warning. We, we honor him by abiding in him. We honor him by serving him, and we honor him by heeding God's warnings and his will for our lives. We stay away from those people that we have to stay away from, right? We stay away from the things that we used to do. We no longer are those people. That's, that's how we honor God, through heeding his warnings, through heeding his will for our lives. The word heed means to discern, to perceive, to discover. And in Deuteronomy eleven six, God warns the Jews, take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Now, I don't think we're going to go out and serve other gods, but there is gods that we serve that I think we're clueless to. Our, the God of our house, the God of our car, the God of our car, the, car of, the God of our physique, as you can tell, I don't serve that God, but some of you do. You know? We do. We have gods that we serve and that we don't know, and we have to take heed to God's warning. We have to take heed to what God is telling us here. Lest your hearts be deceived. Deuteronomy twelve thirteen. Take heed to yourselves that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. That you don't give your heart to everything that you see. In Joshua twenty three eleven, they're giving the warning. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Why would why would why would Joshua and I think God inspiring Joshua have to tell the people, take heed, be careful that you always love the Lord. Because it's our nature, right? That old man, that old woman is just right there ready to pounce. It's our nature. Therefore, in honoring God, we have to take heed. You've all heard them, right? The old man, the old woman, it's, they're there. We have a new nature. We've been given a new nature by God. But that old Henry, that old you is just waiting in the shadows, ready ready to pounce. We have to be careful to heed these warnings and to surrender to never, ever walk away from the Lord. 
I mean, you have to make that promise. And I know a lot of you would say, well, I don't want to do that because Peter did that, and what's the first thing he did? No, we should, though. We should promise God, Lord, I don't ever want to leave you, and I will never leave you. But at the same time, I think we have to be mindful of the fact that we're very capable. We're very, very capable of doing just that. Peter never thought he would, he would betray the Lord, and that's the first thing he did, right? And so we have to heed his warnings. Luke twelve fifteen says, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of the covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. We live in the United States of America. I bought the iPad 2 through God's grace. iPad 3 came out. Guess what I wanted? I wanted the iPad 3, right? You know, I have a, a, a nice TV that I've been blessed with, but I went to Best Buy and they have LED TVs. And I'm like, oh, man. That looks good, Lord. I can watch some teachings on that, and it'll be really nice and bright. That's covetousness. I'm, I'm coveting what I don't need. You know, it's a want. And God is saying, be careful, because that could be a God. Hebrews 2.1, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. How many of you know somebody that has been walking with the Lord on fire and has drifted away? I think probably everyone in this room probably know somebody and it might even be you who at one time or another drifted away and through the grace of God you're back and praise the Lord but we never have to we can never forget we can never take our relationship with the Lord for granted we can walk away we have to heed to his warnings so we honor God by by abiding in him by being in prayer by being in his word by fellowshipping don't be a loner Christian we honor God by serving him what is it that you want from my life? What are the gifts you've given me, Lord? And then we honor him by heeding to his warnings, heeding to the things that he tells us not to do or what to do. In uh, Revelation 19.1, John wrote, After these things I have heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. One day, God willing, we're going to hear those things that John heard, right? One day we're going to be in heaven and we're going to hear the multitude. Hopefully we're part of that multitude saying these things. But I think we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. We should honor God. We should strive to honor God while we're here, right? John 10.10 says that the devil comes to kill, to destroy, but God comes to give us an abundant life, even here, even now. And so through that gift that God has given us, we should strive, we should want to honor him. We should want to honor him with everything that we have. Okay, so let's look at the last word, healing. I told you we we're going to look at three words. Hope, what does biblical hope mean? It means that assurance that God has given us and what he says is going to happen, it's going to happen. What is honor? How should we respond in light of that hope that we've been given? And then healing. What does healing mean? The outcome that we should seek in having this biblical hope inside of us, right? What do you mean healing? I mean, I, I thought we were already healed, right? By his stripes, we are healed. Well, positionally, we are healed. Positionally, we're forgiven. But are we forgiven? Are we walking with him? Are we healed practically? And, and what I want to point to is has to do with this, this believing in these biblical truths and these biblical promises and the hope that's different from the, the hope that the world gives us and this hope that what God says is true. I'm talking about being healed practically. You see, if we, if, if we don't have a biblical, a good biblical grip on hope and the hope that God brings us through his word, 
if we're not really sure that God's going to take care of our today, of our tomorrow, of 10 years down the road, we're going to get anxious. And what happens when we get anxious as people? Especially as men, right? When things aren't going our way as men, what do we want to do? We want to fix it, right? I'll take care of it. I'll fix it. And so what that does is that makes us selfish. It makes us turn into our own selves. It makes us kind of concentrate on the things that we shouldn't be concentrating, which is us. That's what I'm talking about, being healed. If we believe on the promises that God has given us through his word, that he has a future, that he has a hope for us, that we're not going to experience wrath, that God loves us, that he holds us, that he sustains us, then, you know, we're not going to be worried about our today, about our tomorrow, or about our future down the line. Because we know that God is in control, no matter what we're going through. And what, what's, what's going to happen when, when that happens? It's going to free us to be healed. And what that means is it's going to free us then to love God and to love others, which is what I think God wants from us, right? He doesn't really want us concentrating on ourselves. He doesn't want us anxious, right? Philippians says, be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious. But, man, let your supplications be known to God with thanksgiving. Let him know what those things. Don't be anxious. Because I think he knew that if we were anxious, we we're going to put our eyes on ourselves. We have to believe that God is in control. And that's why I think God was showing me hope, biblical hope. Don't, don't put your faith in this government, Christians. I think we have to do our responsibility and we have to, we have to vote. We have to be educated on the amendments and the things that, that are there to vote for. But let's not put our hope into it. You know, we, we, we get all riled up and then the guy that we wanted to win doesn't win and we're all bummed, you know. And I know that the other guy that won, and we ought to pray for him, right? But it is, it's a sign that God is, is doing a work. God is judging our nation. God, I think, is clearing this nation to see who really are going to be the Christians that are going to serve him. Is the church going to stand up? We were reading through Acts, um, and it's that portion in Acts where it talked about all the Christians selling everything that they had, right? You remember that. It was a, not a good... <laughs> It was not a good experiment because, you know, a lot of them ended up broke and so forth. And I don't think we should do that. We shouldn't move, you know, uh, up in the mountains somewhere together, even though it would be pretty cool. But I don't think we should. But anyways, what the point I'm trying to make is that they laid everything at the apostles' feet. So what does that mean? That means that they trusted the church to do what was right. And I think back in the days, at least from people that I talked to, back in the days we didn't rely on government as much. This country didn't rely on government for things. Who did we rely on? We relied on the church, right? The church met the needs. And it just seems like, man, we, we've set our hopes so much on government, so much on man, that we've lost. We've lost that, that hope that God has given us, those promises that I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Go out and make disciples of all nations. Go out and preach. Go out and reach. I'm with you. You're not alone. One pastor said, when God satisfies us so deeply that we're, we're free to love other people, then he becomes more manifest. And that's what we want above all. Right? We want to be healed. We want to be healed. We stop looking at, at, at self and instead look to God and look to others. And then we'll truly be healed.
we shouldn't worry. We shouldn't worry if we're Christians. Guys, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 is an awesome verse because it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. What does that mean? That means that God is in control, right? It doesn't matter how bleak things look. It doesn't matter how bad things look. It doesn't matter who's in office, who's not in office. God is in control, and we can't forget that. God has been. He is today, and he's always been on the throne. Instead of depending on government to, to share our ideals, we need to go out there as a church and do it ourselves. We, we, we are considering electing a man because he shares our ideals. Well, as a church, we need to go out there and share our ideals ourselves. We need to be the change that this world needs through God. God's going to use it. He's not going to use the government. He's not. We've got to pray. We've got to reach. Because our hope is sure, it's a sure hope, we could stand on that hope. But at the same time, we have to know that that hope is exclusive to us as Christians, right? We need to go out and we need to share Jesus Christ because the only way that someone can have this hope is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Through the assurity that one day when they die, they will go to heaven because Jesus took their sins. Because their sins have been forgiven. Someone said, life with Christ is an endless hope without him a hopeless end. And I like that. I like that. In closing, you know, I'm thinking this world, this world can affect our pocketbooks. If they want to take our houses away, they probably can. They, they can block our convictions through elections. The reality that we live in this fallen world where sin is present means that our bodies are going to go through sicknesses. Man, it's incredible to read these prayer requests that come in on a daily basis from just this body of people that are sick, people that are hurting. Last night, you know, Pat sent out a request for baby Richard, who was just born and already is having breathing. There's, there's things that we need to pray about. There's things that if, if we take our eyes off of God, we could be downcast. We could lose hope. When the devil wanted to get at Job, God gave permission. You can do anything you want. You can even, you can even affect his body. Just don't what? Just don't kill him. So we're going to go through things as Christians. But the one thing that they can't take away is our hope in God, right? The president that we have now ran four years ago on the term of what? Hope. But he didn't copyright hope. Hope is ours. He just borrowed it. And notice he didn't run on it this time. Hope is ours. We have that hope. We have that sure hope. We can't forget what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that if God is for us, who could be against us, right? And I love this, this quote that I read earlier that I had to share it on Facebook. Some of you might have read it. It said, our hope doesn't lie on the man that we put in the White House, but in the man that we put on the cross. That man being Jesus Christ. And so I want us to, to leave with a verse that hopefully ignites the hope that as Christians we should all have, all of us, that God loves us and because he's already done the unthinkable, right? He's already given his son. What, what won't he do for us? What won't he do? Why, why wouldn't he answer your prayer to heal you? 
unless it's not his will. But if it's not his will, then we want to be in his will, right? And it's found in Romans 8.32. Let's turn there with me and then we'll close in prayer. Romans 8.32, and you guys all know this, this verse. It's a, it's a verse that we should hang on our walls. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's given us the greatest present, the greatest gift that anyone can give anyone. And yet some of us are in this doom and gloom <laughs> type of cloud that we could walk in. You know, we can. We, we have to truly trust in what God says. Trust that, you know what, he, he holds our life in the palm of his hands. He holds our heart. And we can bank on the promises. We got to abide in him. We got to serve him. We got to honor him. But most of all, we got to be healed by him. Trust the fact that he loves us, that he's going to take care of us. That, like Jeremiah says, he has good thoughts and a future and a hope for us. So that we're not spending our time looking at our, ourselves and our own lives, but instead opening up our eyes to God and to, and to others and to share his love with others because this hope, again, this hope is only for those that know Christ. As I'm looking around the room, I, I mean, I think all of you are Christians and only God knows, but if there's anyone here, if there's anyone here that has not accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, know that the things that we talked about tonight are only for Christians. In order to go to heaven, in order to be forgiven of your sins, you need to accept Jesus Christ in your heart. You need to repent of your sins. And so I would just give you that invitation. If you haven't done that, do it today. Don't wait. Tomorrow might not be here. I love that saying that God always promises forgiveness, but tomorrow he doesn't. He doesn't promise us tomorrow. And so today the, the, the word of God says, today is the day of salvation. So don't wait. Ask him into your heart. Admit that you've sinned. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you need him. And then once you're a Christian, stand on his promises. Know his word. Abide in his word. Serve him. Honor him. And then be healed by him. Amen? All right. You guys are going home early today. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and we'll pray and we'll, we'll close in worship. Steve's probably in the back saying, hey, is it already time? <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you, God, again for, Lord, the incredible hope that you give us through your word, Lord, through the surety of Calvary, through the uh, assurance that you give us, Lord, on that cross, that, Lord, you took every single sin for us, God. And because of that truth, Lord, our hope is it's set. Lord, in spite of who we are, in spite of who we can be sometimes, Lord, heaven is promised for us already heaven we have our reservations there now god and so we just want to thank you for that we want to ask you forgiveness lord in those times that as christians we've forgotten that in those times that as christians where we put our hope on man on government on this world and the things of this world instead of on you forgive us lord you know our hearts god i know that there's people who love you out there and who are just wanting to do the right thing lord but i think sometimes we take our eyes 
away from you, Lord. And so I just want to thank you, God, just for the honor of knowing you and, and for knowing that you hear our prayers, Lord. And I want to lift up those people that are hurting out there, God. I want to pray for um, baby Richard, Father. I pray, God, that you would have your hand upon him, Lord, that is uh, infection that, that uh, Lord, he received through the delivery, Lord, would go away, um, that his breathing would, would continue to get better. We want to pray for his mom, Tracy, Lord, that she would heal, God, and that through this darkness, Father, as you have so many times, Lord, you would bring goodness out of it, that you would bring salvation, just as you have in so many of our lives, Lord. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you. We want to close, Lord, in just worshiping you and just asking, Lord, that you would just tattoo these promises that we have through your word, the assurance of a better tomorrow because we know you. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.